Welcome back to Best Hour of Their Day. We have another fantastic episode for you featuring my man, Chris Cooper. Chris Cooper founded Two Brain Business, and I credit him for really helping me grow and develop all three of my affiliates, but primarily Albany CrossFit. As he says in this interview, it's still on record as being the greatest financial sale of a CrossFit affiliate to this date. Those of you that know me know it uh, at least was enough that I was able to retire down to Florida. So yeah, Chris Cooper helped me with that. And even cooler is he's got a new book coming out, Founder, Farmer, Tinker, and Thief. It hits bookshelves. Let's be real. We're going to buy it on Amazon May 7th. So you can pre-order it now on Amazon, but it comes out May 7th along with his other books that I highly recommend. The Two Brain Business, Two Brain Business 2.0, Help First, all great books. The guy knows what he's talking about. It's why he's highly regarded in the CrossFit space as one of the premier people with mentoring and helping people grow and develop their CrossFit affiliates. So check them out if you haven't already. And I just wanted to give a shout out. We've been asking for reviews. We've gotten quite a few, but I wanted to read one right here from Jamie MC4525. She wrote, don't be scared away if you are just a regular everyday CrossFitter and not a coach or box owner. I enjoy this podcast and I'm geeking out on what I'm learning and using it in my own workouts. Well, thank you, Jamie. If you're listening, please head over to Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave us a review. It just helps us spread the word. So we couldn't do it without all of you. Fern and I are having a tremendous time. I'm loving these interviews. We've got Chris Cooper, Dave Lipson, Adrian Bosman all this week. You're going to get some great chats from Fern and I, and we are super excited. It's just been a great time. We're enjoying the ride, and we couldn't do it without you. So tune into this interview. Chris Cooper, you're going to love it. You're going to learn. Thanks again. Welcome back to Best Hour of Their Day. Chris Cooper, founder of Two Brain Business, four-time author and owner of CrossFit Catalyst, is here with us. Welcome, Chris. Thanks, man. This is going to be the best hour of my day. Yeah, I hope so. You and I go back. I was running Albany CrossFit, and I believe I was one of your very first clients of Two Brain Business. Uh, definitely one of my first mentoring clients, like one of the first 20. Um, but we actually go back to CrossFit for Hope even before that. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's something I forget. I'm really, and I'm happy to be pretty proud of it. We um, raised over $100,000 for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital back in the day. Yeah, yeah man, that made a difference and it really showed. Uh, you and I were there at the same time at St. Jude and they were incredibly grateful. Like that's part of your legacy that will never go away, man. I'm in my closet as you know, you can see, the listeners can't see, that's where I record the podcast and I have my CrossFit for Hope shirt right over there. So nice. you continue to evolve. Two Brain Business is growing every day. I mean, as the affiliate system continues to grow, more more CrossFits are going to need help on the business end, which is exactly what you do. But what's really cool is you continue to put all your thoughts, put those words down on paper. You have a new book coming out, and I've started the book, haven't finished it quite yet, but Founder, Farmer, Tinker, Thief by Chris Cooper. What, what was your, what was the catalyst, if you will, 
for starting this new book. For, at least from my perspective, where I'm at in the book, it's it's probably your most broadly written book, meaning for all businesses. You, you definitely touch on gym stuff, but certainly more of a, hey, any business you run, you'd be benefited by reading this book. Thanks, man. So the reason that I wrote this book was because entrepreneurship is cool now and there are a million ideas out there. And that means there's a lot of advice and the fitness industry has always been notorious for people who want to sell like business advice, right? Just like supplement advice. You've seen this. And Greg cleaned a lot of that up when he founded CrossFit and we want to do the same thing for business. So, you know, after working with 2000 entrepreneurs worldwide and a lot of them CrossFit gyms or, or, um, you know, other gyms, what we found is that most entrepreneurs fall into four distinct phases, depending on where they are in their journey and the resources, the advice, the type of mentorship that they need is different in every single stage. And when I started breaking that down, I realized like the best way that I can do this is to tell a story in the book, just like I did with two brain business. I think any good book has a story. That's what keeps me reading it. I try to read as many business books as I can. And certainly the ones that have that story are more captivating than just, you know, data being thrown at you. So as you know, people listen to this, they hear founder, farmer, tinker, thief. And for me, I'm like, what, what is this? What does this mean? Mm. Can you give a brief explanation to the listeners just to, touch on what each one represents on your entrepreneurial journey? Yeah. So, I mean, most of us are familiar with the founder phase, which is we quit our job at the bank and we're going to start a gym. You know, CrossFit's greatest gift, and I said this at HQ in December, Greg Glassman's greatest gift is the gift of entrepreneurship to 20, 25,000 people. Um, So, you know, CrossFitters who are listening to this, who've opened a gym, you're going to be familiar with this phase. You're really excited. You're also terrified. So you're going to work like 70 hours a week. You're going to coach all the classes yourself. You're probably the best coach in town and your members know it. You've got like a personal relationship with every member. Sometimes you forget to cash the checks or like, you know, whatever. You're you're just open and you're hustling and you're grinding. And that's great, except that that's a recipe for burnout in the short term. And so, you know, you're overwhelmed by ideas. You realize that you can't do it all by yourself anymore. And so you hire somebody else to help you. And this is where you enter the farmer phase because now you've kind of planted the seeds of interest or the seeds of fitness or the the seeds of coaching even in your community. And you need somebody else to help you grow them and harvest them. And so you hire somebody. And usually this person is a mirror image of you. You know, they're also a great coach when really you should be hiring somebody with a complementary skill set like sales or accounting, right? But anyway, when you're in the farmer phase, what you're doing is you're moving yourself out of the low value roles, like maybe cleaning or the things that you don't like, and you're working your way up the value ladder into higher value roles. And so we need to teach you how to pay people and how to filter people and how to not be the icon in your gym anymore and how to transfer allegiance from you know, Coach J to the brand, Albany CrossFit. And then when that's going well and the business is self-sustaining, I mean, that it doesn't need you there to run, that you can choose to go in and coach or you can choose to go to Disney World, that's when you enter the tinker phase. And the tinker phase is when um, you're starting to invent something new or you're starting to tinker with what you build or maybe you're going to open a second location or 
maybe like me, you're going to buy some buildings and do something different, launch a couple of other companies, whatever. And then finally, um, you know, Tinker Phase is kind of where most entrepreneurs visualize themselves ending up, but most never, never, never get there. Like most entrepreneurs buy themselves a job, they end in farmer phase, they work there for 30 years, and then they try to sell their company that really isn't worth anything, right? Well, you know, before you go on to Thief, that was kind of my mm-hmm. question. I look at this almost like a, system, a belt system in martial arts. Right. Right. So, sure. so founder, you're white belt, farmer, you know, blue, all the way to thief and you're black belt. If, if you're looking at this, do you have percentages? Like where, what percentage start and finish in founder and never move beyond that? Well, so almost everybody that founds a company tries to hire someone, right? So it's not like they stay in founder phase forever. What usually happens is they either go bankrupt really fast because they're not making enough money to pay themselves or they hire somebody and they move into farmer phase, they try to lead, but they micromanage them or like their ego can't stand another trainer being somebody else's favorite. You know, that happened to me. So you got to be back in there and you're like sticking your fingers in the machine again. So they, they actually go from founder to farmer and back to founder again. And when we're talking about gyms, like the highest most gym owners get by a wide margin is farmer phase where they're trying to balance like coaches with having enough clients, with poor retention, with poor money management. And at the end of the day, like they're working a 60 hour week and their coaches are getting paid more than they are, or they're not earning enough to survive. They, they don't have a health insurance plan because they can't afford it, you know? So I didn't give you an opportunity to talk about Thief. What was Thief? Right. So Thief is when um, you are very successful as an entrepreneur and you're working mostly to secure your legacy. So I'm not in that phase yet, but what we've set up are um, several cash flow vehicles like this building, the building that my gym is in, you know, some rental properties um, that will support my family and then some vehicles that will support like neighborhood kids. And my other legacy is going to be entrepreneurship in our city. We're a dying steel town. We want entrepreneurship to save it. And that means I want a thousand small businesses here instead of one big polluter that can lay everybody off, you know, uh, at any time. And so we founded the two brain workshop here and that's also part of my legacy. But if you think of like who the thieves are or who's in the thief phase right now, you know, you're thinking like Bill Gates and not just because the guy's a billionaire, right? I mean, he's a great example of the thief phase because what he's done is taken all the things that he's learned He's applied that knowledge to other projects. And he's also created like foundations and, and um, financial vehicles to support you know, the eradication of disease in Southern Africa, for example. And so it's a tiny minority of people who ever reach that phase. But if you don't know that you, that's where you're going, then it's impossible to get there. And you know, like you, you immediately said, oh, this is like the martial arts system. The best thing about this book is that every single person who's read it has found some kind of connection like that in their brain. Like they get it right away. And my hope is that because it resonates with so many people and it's a sticky story that they can say, okay, here's what I need to do to get to the next level. Or here's what my actual goal is instead of your goal, always being more money, more clients. Yeah. I mean, having read your other books and reading this currently, it definitely resonates, be it with a CrossFit affiliate with our you know nutrition company, or even just with this podcast of, what my goals are 
you know, obviously this is primarily a, a CrossFit podcast, affiliate owners, coaches sitting there. Do you, have you seen any affiliate go to that fee phase? And if not, do you truly think that's possible? Do you think someone can open a CrossFit affiliate 2019 and one day be at that fee phase? I think, yeah. Yeah. If you're opening in 2019 right now, I think you could get there within 10 years, but I'll tell you um, another guy that we both know that's in that phase right now is Greg Glassman, right? So if the thing that Greg said to me when CrossFit for Hope shut down and I won't give the details there, but like, you know, Greg ran that thing out of his pocket for years. Like he contributed millions of dollars to that effort. And when, when CrossFit for Hope was ending, he said, let's do this instead. Let's go find people where $10,000 will make an immediate and measurable difference in their lives. And let's just give them the $10,000 instead of trying to raise like a million dollars for St. Jude that, you know, which raises a billion dollars every year. Um, and that really stuck with, with me. And now like, obviously project is CrossFit for health or CrossFit health, like CrossFit health. I don't know how that's ever going to make Greg more money. I don't know how it's going to make affiliates more money, but he's doing it because like, this is going to be his legacy. He's going to change healthcare, you know? Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think a lot of people listening are like, cool. That's Greg Glassman. He created CrossFit, you know, in 2001 or 1974, whatever you, you know, it's almost like religion, whatever you want to believe in these, points. <laughs> but you know, but yeah. you know, from an affiliate perspective, it's like, you see someone like him and you think, can I actually get there? You believe that it's possible. Yeah. I'll give you some examples. So right now we have about a dozen, 15 affiliates who are actually in tinker phase, which means that their gym makes more money than they need. They are not tied to it. They can start other business ventures. And some of them are, um, you know, some of them are CrossFit affiliates, but they've maybe pioneered a, a specialty program that they're going to teach to other people, you know? Um, and I'm in thief, or I'm in tinker phase myself, actually, with two brain business. Um, so what can happen there is like, as soon as you have more money than you need, and you're satisfied, your fitness is good, you know, you have a strong mentor that's keeping you focused on one task at a time, you can actually start building those thief phase, you know, legacy projects, or, or even the assets that will allow you to work on those things. So yeah, I mean, we're going to see gym owners reach the thief phase in the next three to five years. I want to, I want to ask you two questions about writing because as you know, I'm writing my book. Yeah. And then, I, and then I do want to ask you a couple of questions about coaching, which is what this podcast is about, but how long did it take for you to write this book? This book took me four months to write, but that was a year ago. So, you know, most people think like, um, when I write a book, you know, maybe it's going to take me a week to get it published, but you and I know that like the writing is sometimes the easy part, just getting your thoughts out there. So my first editor is a line editor, which means her job is to go through and edit the copy, but then also make sure that the language still sounds like Chris. And so it took her four or five months. Her name is Ann Maynard at Brass Check. Amazing. You know, she has a very tough job. I'm easily offended when people change stuff that I write and she does a great job of that. Then uh, the book goes to the publisher and the first thing they're going to do is line edit it all over again because they want to make sure that like when they get to layout and design stages that um, the text still flows around images, you know, and, and like the chapters make sense. And then, you know, it goes to cover design and all that stuff. 
So Founder Farmer, once I started it, it it flowed out of me fast. You know, I was writing about 7,000 words a day. Um, I just couldn't keep it in. And that's happened to me before with, it happened with Help First. I just felt compelled to share this. Um, but yeah, I mean, I got it all out in about four months. 7,000 words a day, that's a lot. People ask me, for my advice on writing, and I think everybody should be attempting to write a book, you know, write about your life or a story. And I tell them 200 crappy words. You know, I heard that somewhere, but if you, if you sit down and you dedicate 200 crappy words a day, you'll oftentimes find yourself writing 7,000 or you've tried and you have 200 crappy words. Yeah. I mean, writing is a fitness, right? So like if I haven't done it for a few days, I'm not going to put out 7,000 words but I use a site that's called 750words.com and CrossFitters will love it. It's there's a little scoreboard at the top. Um, it also tracks metadata. So what I'll do in the morning, first thing is write like sleep eight hours, you know, coffee one, usually that's at about 4am. And then I start every morning by answering a really good question that I saw the day before. So somebody in the private two brain Facebook group will ask a great question and I'll answer it. Or somebody in another Facebook group will ask a question that maybe I've answered years ago, but I have more context now, or maybe I have better data now. And so I'll answer it a different way. And those things generally turn into love letters. So I send an email to our list every single day. There are 6,500 people on that list and 34% of them open and read the email every single day. Then, um, which, you know, if you're a, an email marketer. That's great. Usually you're met with, yeah, you, you would not believe that, but I can show you. And then, um, yeah, some of those turn into blog posts, you know, if, if there's good feedback and then the ones that get amazing feedback become sections or chapters in the next book. So as I'm listening to you talk, and I think the listeners need to appreciate this is, you know, you started similar to an affiliate owner. Yeah. You opened CrossFit Catalyst. One thing that it sounds to me, and I think, you know, I try to leave these people with something to gain. What can I learn from Chris Cooper? You quantify a lot in your life. You're yeah. using a website that counts your words. I'm going to check it out. Um, you know, and then you, from there, you, you're putting out a daily post. So you're, you're putting in the work. You have your, you know how many people are opening it. And then you know what to do with it after. So clearly you have some rules set in your life. What What are some other rules and you know, what's some of the things that you do routinely that help make you so successful? Um, rules. So this is innate, but I analyze everything. Um, you know, two brain business, the two brain concept is like the left hemisphere of your brain is more analytical, data driven, objective. The right hemisphere of your brain is more empathetic, creative, subjective. Um, I'm a very left brain person. So what that means is like, um, I have to work really hard to be good at relationships, but I don't have to work very hard to like zoom out and see the big picture. So, um, when I'm writing, I try to back up everything that I say with supportive data. That's one of my rules. My habits though, uh, have actually changed. So, you know, when, when most of my day was spent in a CrossFit gym, I was doing CrossFit every single day and I loved it. And, um, you know, I came from a powerlifting background, so I was good at the strength stuff, not amazing at the Metcon stuff. What I found though, is like at this level, um, the stress is different. 
the intensity of focus that I have to have now is quite a bit different. Um, and I have to get into the flow state because I need to write 7,000 words a day, you know? So, so to do that, I need more low level aerobic training. And so about a year ago, I started training for cycling and, uh, almost every day I'm on my bike. So I look at objective data on that too. Like I look at the, the wattage that I'm putting out every second, every pedal stroke. Um, but you know, I'm not doing it to compete. I'm doing it to be a better CEO. The other habits are that I, I still get up at 4 a.m. Uh, I don't eat until about 6.30 when usually I've got 1,000, 2,000 words out. Um, I work from home you know, at least twice a week because I can get into an intense flow state there. And um, yeah, yeah, man, my workouts, my nutrition, everything are based around how can I be a better CEO? And that's what I'm training for. You get up at 4 a.m. every day. What time do you go to sleep? Well, I typically nap, um, usually around two o'clock in the afternoon, right before my kids get home. You know, I want to be alert for them. And then most evenings, actually, we volunteer to coach kids in whatever. So by the time we get home, it's like 830. I've been outside for a few hours. and I'm exhausted. So I'm ready for bed, you know, unless the Leafs are in the playoffs. And then I punish myself by staying up late to watch them. But you wake up at 4 a.m. regardless? Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter. If I go to bed at 11, I'll be up at 4. You, you say you eat at 6.30 a.m. You mentioned a cafe in the book. Is it that cafe that's feeding you at 6.30 a.m.? Um, no. So um, they fed me half an hour ago. In one of the buildings that I own, there's a, an amazing cafe called Feeding Your Soul. Um, you know, it's gluten-free and she'll kind of cater to anything that you want. So um, I really struggle with carbs in the morning, especially. I lose focus as soon as I have carbs. So I don't have any carbs until, you know, probably about 11 or so. But when I'm working from this office where I am now, uh, I'll come in the door and the first thing Mary will say is what time do you want breakfast? And today I said 8.30 and she just brought it to me and I'll eat maybe three meals a day here. That's what happens when you make it to the tinker phase, I guess. Breakfast is served. So, <laughs> well, it's not that it has nothing to do with like, oh, what can I afford and what can I not afford or, or having somebody serve me? It has to do with not making decisions, right? And staying in flow state. And this is why I guess like guys will wear the exact same outfit, you know, every single day when they run Apple, because that's one less decision that they have to make. And I try to set myself up that way. Yeah. I, you know, you, you can see, I literally am standing in my closet and there's, you know, probably 50 shirts at this point. It was about yeah. 500 a couple months ago and it was it. actually stressful. You know, now it's like, and we all wear the same shirts over and over. So the less decisions I have to make, the better. What? That's it. Going back to the concept of the book, Founder, what is the most common mistake affiliate owners make at that founder level? So they base their decision off what other affiliate owners are doing. So um, I don't know where this really started, but what people have to realize is that most CrossFit gyms are owned by first-time entrepreneurs, right? We're going to screw it up. And my first book, Two Brain Business, was really just like a 200-page list of my mistakes, you know, and like the story of those mistakes. And it's it's helpful. It's the best-selling fitness business book of all time. But um, what people have to realize is that like just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean it's the best thing to do. 
And we're starting to have this dawning epiphany across the industry now. So for example, um, you know, I open a gym, but I was already doing CrossFit at your gym. How am I going to set my rates? Oh, I'm going to either look at your rates and go $5 less or $5 more, right? At no point am I doing math to say, how much do I actually need to make? And how am I going to make that off 150 clients? So that's the first thing. The second thing is that most affiliate owners, and I don't want, just want to pick on affiliate owners here because every founder in the service industry does this. They are scared to ask their family and their friends for money. So either they give them the service for free or they never say at the Christmas party, hey, Jay, come and work out with me, man. I think you'd love my new gym. Like they just don't talk about their business. Uh, you know, it was after talking to you or reading your book back in the day, I had a bunch of either early members or friends and family that were coming to the box and on this crazy rate, like, you know, less than yeah. half of what everyone else was paying. And that was a, a scary moment, but I was like, all right, guys, I got to get you up to the rate that you're, you know, you're taking up the same amount of space. And many times you're more of a pain in the ass than my regular clients, That's it. you know, and, and I remember one, it's the same exact quote that's in the book. You know, I was, he was giving me kind of shit about it. And I was like, if you're my friend, you will have no problem paying me this. That's right. And ultimately that sentence took him back and he wound up paying and it, it was helpful. But yeah, you can't be afraid. I mean, if, if they want to support you, and that's how I am with my, uh, I'd rather support my friends and family and whatever the business is, even sometimes things I don't need than some stranger. That's right. Yeah. You know, it's when I go to the bike store, um, oh, we got a 10% off sale tomorrow. Come back tomorrow. Well, I'm not going to take you 10% off anyway, because I want your business to do well. So, um, you know, I'm fortunate enough that I can do that now, but, but that is really common with affiliates. Like you're, you're so grateful that your friend is going to give you anything that you give them this crazy discount or, or whatever, and you, you're banking on their friendship, uh, but you're not selling friendship. And most affiliates don't figure that out until like 30 of their best friends leave to go to another gym over $5. So let's, let's dive into another kind of small topic here. Cause I get asked this a lot and I've, and I tell affiliates to do this a lot. It's along the same vein, raising rates. Yeah. When you, I've encouraged people to raise rates. I can tell you that in all these years, very few times has it cost people members. And if it does, it's one or two to the members that would have left anyway. Yeah. Can you, can you talk a little on the topic? When is the right time to raise rates? How do you go about doing it? And what experience have you had with the affiliates you work with that have decided to do it? So one of the very first things that we go through with people is like, what should your rates actually be? And you know, there's a few different variables that go into that calculation. But when we see that their rates are nowhere near what they should be charging, like, you know, maybe they've got an unsustainable model, even mathematically, there's no way they can ever make money. Then we say, okay, well, um, what's, what's the easiest path to success here? And so our, our options are usually like eliminate discounts or raise rates for everybody or both. And so um, those are, those are painful things to do. And this is where like, the mentor's job is really to get you to do it. And I've had, I mean, we've done this, you know, close to 200 times now 
we've got great data. It's completely scripted. Like we know what to do. It's only ever gone wrong once. And so the first thing that you do is you calculate, you know, you take a stoic approach, you calculate how many members can I lose? Um, and can I afford to lose and make the same amount of money if I raise rates? Okay. Most of the time we're raising rates by less than 15%. And that's, you know, to most people, if there's less than a 15% degree of change, most people don't, don't balk at it. You know, there's good research on that. So we raise less than 15%. Usually if they have to raise by like 30% or something, we're going to set up a multi-year plan to do it. So we have the, the affiliate go through their client list next. And we say, okay, you calculated that if you raised everybody's rate, you could afford to lose nine clients and be making the same amount of money. So let's go through your list here. And, and I want you to highlight the nine clients who will definitely quit over this $12 increase or whatever it's going to be. And so they highlight the names. And I say, now, of these 12 people, who, which of them are like your most complaining members? You know, which of these guys are actually more trouble than maybe they're worth? Like your heart wouldn't be broken if they left. And generally, they'll say like, oh, six out of the nine. Like every time the, the bad clients, the weak clients are on that list every time. And so we say, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. And then we set up this multi-stage plan. So people who are like losing their discounts, they get a, a conversation in person. Everybody else get like an email and, you know, we've crafted this email. We've tested this email hundreds of times. We actually make it available for free on my website. I can give you the link because um, I want affiliate owners to use it, but realize it's like step 10, you know? And then from there, uh, you give people about 10 days notice. That's what we found to be best. You, um, there's a line in the email that's like, if you believe that your, your situation is significantly different from everybody else in the gym, please call me here and we'll meet in person. One thing I don't want to say is like, if you have questions or concerns, call me because I don't want them to call me. Like it's, it's not a democracy. And when we first rolled out the process, I can't remember who it was, but you know, somebody that wanted to sell business consulting services, they recommended hosting a town hall meeting. Like that's the worst thing you can do. You know, nobody is going to go away from that meeting feeling good. Uh, yeah. So then they raise rates and life goes on, you know, and, and I've had a dozen midnight phone calls from people who were just terrified to press send. Um, but it always works out. Yeah. We'll make sure that email is the link is in the show notes, but again, sure. Make sure that if you're looking at it, you understand that's step 10. Well, you know, I don't want you listening to this podcast, downloading that email, sending it to your members and being like, screw it. Cooper said, I'm going to make money. So <laughs> That's happened. Yeah, you know, be smart about it. Um, yeah. Not to harp on the one that went wrong, but what went wrong there? You know, you said, I'm sure 99% of the time it goes, well, so let's say someone's listening and they want to make sure they're not another one of those statistics. What can they make sure they do right to prevent that? The owner did not get their coach on board first. So, you know, step eight is you're going to have a conversation with your coaches the night before the rate increase goes out. And you want to make it clear to the coach, like why you're doing this. And you don't need to talk about money at all. You need to say, I am building a more secure foundation for our clients to make sure that this gym is going to be here for the rest of their lives. Um, you know, and also for you, I want to make sure that you have a secure footing for your career and this will stabilize our platform. Talking about coaches, yep. you know, before we got on, you mentioned, you know, the big push of the book is mentorship. 
Yeah. And a, and a coach is, you know, a pseudo mentor. Maybe it's just for an hour a day at the box. You mentioned that. How does that mentorship relate to, to the new book? Entrepreneurs need different coaches at different times, just like clients in your gym need different coaches at different times, right? Like I'm a really good uh, personal trainer. I started doing personal training in 1996. So that makes me really awesome at on-ramp, you know? Um, it means that I'm not as good in a group class as you are, right? Like that's your strength. Um, but for entrepreneurs, like the, the, co- the mentor that you need when you're starting is more like a teacher. Like they're going to say, here's what a PL looks like. Here's how you determine your rates. Here's how you blank, blank, blank. And then as you move into farmer phase, the, the mentor becomes more of a filter. You know, okay, you've got a thousand great ideas and you're in this Facebook group and you got five more great ideas today and you want to do something different on Instagram. Okay, which one of these are we actually going to do? Like, which one is most important for you right now? And like a lot of our mentors work with gym owners in the farmer phase, you know, out of 640 gyms in two brain, probably 450 are in farmer phase. And, um, the, the mentor's job is largely like stay on task, you know, here's your one thing to do. This is step one, do that thing. And then here's step two, do that thing. Uh, instead of like letting them get distracted. And then in the tinker phase, the mentor becomes um, part therapist, part coach. So the, the mentor has to push and pull. Um, they have to let the tinker know that, yes, they, they do deserve to be successful, uh, but also like you need to go take care of your fitness now. And, you know, you need to maintain this focus or you need to have this broader perspective and you have to do this very hard thing because it's the best thing for your clients. And then in the thief phase, uh, your mentor it, this is a complete pivot, but you're actually led by your community at that point. Sounds to me like you have book number five, teacher, filter, therapist, community. So we have a, I just copied (laughs) it. I just trademarked that. So yeah. Dot com. Um, (laughs) Like three brain business. I heard on the CrossFit podcast, they kept saying to you, you know, yeah. Three brain business. Actually, if you, if you really want to make a dent, call it two Brian business because uh, that's what my fingers automatically type almost every single time. I'm sure you own that URL. Yeah, exactly. But um, the uh, we have a very intensive mentor training program. Like it, it drives me crazy. Uh, gurus in the industry take people off track because like they don't have any data. They just have a lot of ideas. And so we put mentors through this intensive training and that training happens in stages. And if you were to name those stages, they would look a lot like, you know, teacher, filter, coach. You know, that brings up an interesting topic and I'd like to pick your brain about it. You know, social media these days, everyone is a guru. I mean, you can't look through your Facebook or Instagram without getting advice from people, you know, and I don't want to tell people not to do it. If they're putting out a positive message, cool. Uh, I can, you know, I can appreciate it. If you've made a change in your life, you're just trying to spread it. But how do you filter that out and determine, you know, who should be my mentor, you know, cause maybe it's not in a business where I call two brain and, you know, I know I need a mentor and specifically for business, I need one for life. How do you, how would you recommend someone know, like, this is just some Joe Schmo blowing smoke. Cause he's trying to, you know, he, he's got a Lamborghini behind him, but he lives in his parents' basement. <laughs> cause that happened. That. Yeah, uh, that does happen. 
Um, and actually it happened with somebody pretty famous and he got called out on it that he had this rental car. Um, anyway, so the, the first thing that you want to look for is like, um, original ideas. Like, does this person have an original idea or are they just attacking the ideas of others? And, you know, Mel Siff, um, who wrote super training, I used to be on his discussion board and there was one, one crazy conversation where he just got attacked from all sides. And I was talking to him privately about it afterward. And he said, that's going to happen. Like as soon as you plant a flag, people will start shooting. That was his quote. And so, um, what you have to do is you have to ask yourself, like, is that person actually speaking from a position of authority? Like what have they actually published their own ideas? Because if they haven't, then you can't afford to pay attention to that person, right? They're just taking shots. They don't have a better idea. The second thing you want to look at is like, um, data, you know, where have you tested this? Have you seen this work? Um, you know, people all the time will get advice from somebody in like a Facebook group and they should be asking like, what were the numbers when you ran this at your gym? Did you even run this at your gym or is it just like an idea? No. Or if you've tried this with three gyms, were any of them good and any of them bad? So, you know, one of the things that we're doing right now, which is a very hard project and very expensive is um, gathering data across the entire fitness industry to say definitively, like, this is the best practice. You know? um, nobody else is doing it. I don't think anybody else can do it. And that makes it our responsibility. So I would start with like, you know, does this person have their original ideas? Second is, do they have data? And third is like, what's their longevity here? You know, can I go back in their catalog and see what they've written before? Um, one of the reasons that two brain gets a, a lot of, uh, a lot of positive publicity is because I, I had a blog every day for four years before I mentored anybody. And, and I've taken that philosophy to two brain now. So like, you know, the stuff that you and I talked about in 2013 were lessons that I had learned from my gym and like maybe 20 other gyms. But what we teach in two brain now is lessons that are learned from 600 gyms, a thousand gyms. What's worked the best. So the materials that, that we give out, the staff handbooks, they're not my staff handbooks anymore. They're the best staff handbooks in the world because it's a constant upgrade. So you're like the you're like the Seth Godin of CrossFit, where you just have this amazing, you know, you know Seth Godin, where he has this Yeah, that's the the best compliment you could ever give me. He was oh. like the first blog I ever read. Yeah, if you type Seth into Google, it'll bring up his blog. And because uh, he just writes every day, and that's what you've done. Um, I want to know this. People have asked, so what is your opinion on these companies that are, I don't know, I don't want to name anything specific, but these, you know, boot camp, quote unquote, boot camp type companies, just pushing people into your doors. You know, we all see the ads again on social media, but what's, what's your stance on those? How is that impacting the CrossFit affiliate? Um, so I'm not sure that I am familiar with this. Like, is it people selling a, are they selling marketing to affiliates or are they selling something else? Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's companies out there that you know, you pay and whether it's a monthly or a one-time fee, but they'll teach you how to put some Facebook ads out there. They'll get people in your door. You know, we see people that are bringing in 200 people in June, mm. uh, you know, and I will tell you, oftentimes I wind up at those boxes showing them how to coach better. 
because that's too many people for them to handle. Too many people. Yeah. And you know, they're getting mixed in with members that have been there for five or six years. So what's, yeah. what's, what's your opinion on those companies and, and not more so just should an affiliate do it? How will it impact your affiliate? What's the, where do you see those companies in two or 10 years? Yeah. So, you know, big picture, you and I remember what it was like to be on the CrossFit message boards in 2005. Yes. And everybody said, how do we get more clients? And they, they asked that question for the next 10 years and nobody really had an answer. You know, I published help first in 2015 and it's basically go outside and talk to people, right? That's the whole book. Um, and, and that works, but it's not fast. So now you look at like, what is the power of Facebook for marketing? And the ROI on Facebook is still unbelievable. Okay. So the question now is, is not like, what is a tool we can use? It's like, what's the best way to use this tool? So uh, we teach Facebook marketing at TubeRain. Like it's crazy powerful. I spent a year traveling around, you know, I paid probably a hundred thousand dollars to get coaching and mentoring in Facebook marketing. And what I really learned was like, I hate Facebook marketing. I hate doing it because it, it's not an art. It's a science. And it's like looking at numbers every single day. But then what I started hearing from affiliates was like, we did this, this thing and we promised people it was free and they came in the door and we had to tell them it wasn't. And like, yeah, that's what I'm referring to. Yeah. Um, so it, it was like, okay, well, your, your marketing play is basically lying. And um, I can't abide that, but it doesn't, for a lot of affiliates, they're desperate and, and they're like, I don't know what else to do. So I said, who is doing this the best in the CrossFit affiliate community? And it was two guys, John Franklin and Mateo Lopez. They had four gyms around New York. They uh, had spent $80,000 on Facebook ads by that point. And they built me a course and we tested it with 10 affiliates for free. Their ROI was insane. Then we tested it on 50 more. Same thing happened. Like this is working. And, um, you know, these guys, they were in two brain. So they, they have the same ethos that we do, which is bring people in, talk to them one-on-one, -on -one, prescribe an individual, you know, journey or, or whatever to them based on what they need, not based on some six week plan, uh, or, or bootcamp. And then, you know, retain that, those people for years and years and years. Um, so we do teach it and, and there's, there's amazing ROI, but like any tool, man, you can do it. You can use it in different ways. The, the downside that I've seen of the big challenge where 30 people come in is that 30 people go out and usually they take one or two great members with them. So imagine you've been a member of my gym three years. Okay. You're making some great progress. We have a great relationship. You really love CrossFit. You're still in the honeymoon phase. Suddenly there's 30 new people in your class. Like how much of my attention are you getting? Probably zero because like they're all brand new. They need a lot of help. Okay. That's fine. Once I get it, Chris needs the money. But when it happens a second and a third time, I'm going to start looking around, you know? And if I'm a coach and that's how I need to make my living, this exhausting way of coaching brand new beginners 30 at a time for the rest of my life, I'm going to start thinking like, maybe I should open my own box and do this another way. Or maybe I should go coach for Jason down the street. And so that was, that was what we started hearing from affiliates that led us to putting our own, you know, like a two brain Facebook marketing course together. 
Yeah, I like that. We're not bashing Facebook marketing and getting people in. That's important, no. but it's, you know, there's a difference between 30 brand new people and I'm sitting down and talking to somebody and trying to figure out their goals and make them, you know, like you talk about in the book, arm times leg. That's what you need, right? Your average revenue per member times the length of their, you know, stay there. And I like that expression, 30 in, 31 out. That's not a good way to run a business. No, you know, I've got a perfect example. So we had a, a couple that were running a gym, amazing people, right? They, they had friendships with everybody in the box. They started running these big challenges and that's exactly what happened, you know? So when they came to us, they were charging like nothing. They were reliant on running challenges. And uh, when they raised their rates, they lost like a lot of members, but most of those members were on their way out anyway, because of the, the challenge nature. And what she posted last week in the group was like, we just gained four clients that paid the equivalent of what 20 clients were paying before. And they're all amazing people. None of them haggled with us about price. None of them are, are price shopping other gyms, you know, and, and that's what I want. I want Facebook marketing to get you that kind of client, not just, you know, one and done revenue. Yeah. And that goes back to even the, the rate increase. I think, when you sit down and you look at like, okay, I can lose 10 people and actually make more money yeah. and I'm getting rid of 10 bad apples. And it's also more space in the gym. So next time somebody walks in and they're going to pay full price, you have that in there. You know, you have a great chart in the book where just cause you're grossing a million dollars doesn't mean you're making more than the guy that's grossing, you know, a hundred thousand dollars, but keeping a lot more of it. And I think that's a, that's a big mistake. A lot of people make. You mentioned the the message boards, 2005, me, you, Lynn Pitts, Josh Murphy in there. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's 2019, 14 years later. What's the direction you see CrossFit going? What's been the impact of the, the change in CrossFit.com, the, the change of the games? You know, this will be the first year where there's two opens, where the games has taken a different stance we're gonna you know no one really knows what's to come or i'm excited to see it but what's your opinion on it as someone that's been involved for you know 15 years um this is going to be a mixed answer because i i have faith in crossfit okay so um what hit me hard last last games was going in the affiliate lounge and looking at that wall you know what I mean? Where they've got all of yeah. our affiliate names on there. Yeah. And they were in chronological order. That's yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Little poster. Exactly. But my name was way too close to the top. So it's like, well, there should be about three feet above me. Where did those affiliates all go? Yeah. I, I moved up from about 200. I think I was in like the first 50 now. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was like 1100, like way after you comparatively speaking, but now um, actually on the list, I'm like 350th. So I bet you you're even higher than that. Anyway, um, that just stoked my fire even more. Like there's not a single person on that list who's a bad person. They had, none of them had evil intent. None of them were like, you know, money hungry or driven by profit, but they're all gone just the same. And, um, you know, in 2019, I think what we're seeing is people who are passionate about changing lives, taking a massive risk in their life, risking their family's fortune, risking their well-being, giving up on their 401k and their health insurance to open a gym and serve other people. That hasn't changed. Um, CrossFit, you know, the philosophy, that hasn't changed. This, the service to the affiliate is changing. 
we're not sure how, but there have been several times in the past where I've asked myself, like, what the hell is Greg doing? Or even doubted what he was doing and been wrong every single time. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I don't have the hubris to say we're going down the wrong track right now. What I don't know yet, but probably will, is um, how does the current move benefit affiliates? You know, I hear that a lot. And, you know, this is, again... I'm very biased towards CrossFit. It's changed my life. I love it. They're still my, you know, employers, but I, I like you, I believe in them. I think coach Glassman is smarter than most of us, you know, if not all of us, and it's hard to see what a genius sees. And, right. you know, you go to com, and I get it. It looks different. The workouts are having strict pull-ups versus kipping. And you see these old people on the married with children set. And you're like, what's going on? <laughs> what's going on here? But to me, what's going on is my mom stumbles upon it and she's like, oh, I can do this. You know, yeah. it's not, it's not Tia. It's not, you know, Matt Frazier on there every day. It's like, oh, I can, you know, granted it might be hard, you know, to get a games level athlete to start seeing that. But I think we've proven, you know, it's not hard to find a video of Austin Maliolo pulling 600 pounds and running a marathon in the same day. Right. So, you know, it was right around uh, 2008 or so. You remember Coach Glassman used to do like these one-on-ones traveling the country, just stopping at affiliates. And yep. you know, I, raised, I raised my hand and I asked him, when are we going to see people that aren't Chris Spieler, you know, back in the day? I, I used him as my, on the website. Like, when am I going to be on the website? You know, this average dude. And he's like, no, because as soon as I put you up there, I can't get anyone better than you. You know, it's trickle down. Ah, Right. He was like, if I can appeal to Spieler, I can appeal to you. I can appeal to your grandfather. You know, so he's obviously changed that approach, but I think he's earned it with the games. So we'll see. I mean, my opinion, I think it benefits the affiliates. I think it might take a little longer to see, but I do think it benefits. And I'm, you know, I'm not saying that because I'm biased. I truly, I truly believe that the box I go to, I work out with a 70 year old woman regularly and I talk just as much trash to her as I do my buddies that I'm trying to. <laughs> All right. Last couple of questions. I feel like your book has a very E-Myth slash Tim Ferriss vibe to it. So, okay. you know, and I, and I like, I mean, definitely your own thoughts, but I'll, you know, E-Myth is one of my favorite books. I love Tim Ferriss. You know, a lot of, you know, your book is a lot of eliminate, automate, delegate, especially as you're moving on. What's, what's one book that's not yours that you would recommend to a, uh, an up and coming affiliate owner or a current affiliate owner, even a coach that will benefit them. Um, I actually have a bookshelf and whenever I get a new book, I get about 20 copies and just hand them out to entrepreneurs that come into the workshop. And don't um, tell me how to win friends and influence people. I know. That's damn it. I know that's your, was that what you were going to say? Yeah. All right. I'll let you go with it. Why? Okay. Why? No, no, no. I got, I got good to great over there. I've got um, rich dad, poor dad, like a lot of the classics, actually. Um, the one that I've been sending everybody is The Go-Giver um, by Bob Berg. You know, he's quoted actually in this book. He's been on the podcast. And if I had read The Go-Giver, I would not have written Help First because that was the book that I was trying to write. Um, so that's super important. Another one that, that we've been giving a lot of affiliate owners here. Um, shoot, I, I can't see. It's right around the corner on the bookshelf. Um, it's one about negotiation from an FBI negotiator. Oh, I just read that. Um, never, never compromise or conflict. Never split the difference. Never, never split, split the difference. difference. There yeah. we go. Yeah. I just read that. 
I mean, the, the big message out of that book is like more words don't make people feel better. You know, whenever you like, if you're doing your rate increase and you send this thousand page email and it's like, Oh, I need, my kids need new shoes. I can't get health insurance. Like people are going to doubt you. Um, and, and so that, that book's been great, but like how to win friends and influence people. We give it to all the coaches at Catalyst. We give it to all the mentors at Two Brain because if the, if the lens through which you deliver everything is caring, then it's going to be received that way. And you're going to get a lot more leeway. You're going to get a lot more position. And, and as a result, people are, you'll feel luckier. And that's exactly the book that changed my life when I was selling treadmills. Um, you know, a kid that was working for me named Sean Sear gave me that book. I read it. I didn't sell any more treadmills, but I got the hell out of that treadmill store and started training people in my back parking lot. Um, and I suddenly could ask for money, you know, and I started making a living as, as a coach. Yeah. And just so you know, that's Dale Carnegie's book. I read it back in the day. It's still one that I revisit often. So I, I highly recommend it as well as that never split the difference. That was a great one. That was actually, if you're listening and you're married, a really good book to read. You know, it's not just a business book. It's really about just relationships. Yeah. And, and I mean, another one like that too is love languages. Um, and Gary Chapman. Yeah. That's I've read multiple of his now, but what were you going to say about that? Well, just that like, as a, as a left brain guy, I have to be purposeful and studious about relating to people. You know, like I have to practice empathy, like a student practices math. And so love languages help me understand that like, you know, when people are, are doing something that I don't understand, they're probably doing it because they care about me. You know, like if somebody wants to get on a call and argue with me, it's because they want me to be right. <laughs> they want me to have the right knowledge, you know? Um, and, and then people express themselves differently. That's all. Yeah. I mean, I, I was talking on a previous podcast with David Osorio, you know, South Brooklyn, a thousand yep. members, and it's like culture and care. And if you do that, you can really make a lot of mistakes. You know, reading your book, I'm like, man, if I had this book in 2007, I would have been even more successful with my box, with selling it. I made so many mistakes, but my members always knew like this dude's trying and he cares about us. And I think if you, if you come from that place, you at least have some more wiggle room. You should make some good business decisions too, but you at least have a little more wiggle room. Last question. I, you know, I get this from Tim Ferriss. If you had a billboard for all CrossFit affiliate owners to see, you know, write down, you know, the highway in Canada, what would it, what would it say? Help first. Help first. I love it. Help first. Well, when's the book come out, Chris? May 7th. It'll be available on Amazon.com, um, Barnes and Noble. Um, Ingram Spark is the publisher. Um, so you can order hard copies through them, but I would just buy it on Amazon. Amazon, Founder, Farmer, Tinker, Thief by Chris Cooper. You can check out his other books. Like you said, one of your books is the best-selling fitness business book of all time. Pretty uh, cool, uh, you know, little feather in your cap there. Yeah, that, uh, so there you go. Like my, my audience gives me a lot of leeway. Uh, I think it's because most of them know how much I care about them. And that, that book was written because Ben Bergeron and Forrest Walden and I were doing a seminar down in Fort Lauderdale. And uh, I was the only one that didn't have any materials to hand out. So I hand drew this cover 
copied and pasted a bunch of blog posts together into a book, self-published it, shipped it down there. Like 27 out of 30 copies got laughed. Like there's no page numbers, no table of contents. And 25,000 copies later, it's the best-selling of all time. So I believe I have one of those original copies. It's like printed on, you know, it's got the, it's got the old school printer things on the side where you had to tear them off. (laughs) Not quite that bad, but if you've got a, if you've got a copy with a green cover, I would buy it from you because uh, I left the box there at this, at this gym in Fort Lauderdale. I couldn't carry it back into Canada. Um, But yeah, there's uh, somewhere around somebody's storage room. There's, there's a real original copy. Last thing, where can people check you out? Where, if they're an affiliate owner's listening, they want to check out Two Brain. What's the best way to go about it? The best thing to do is twobrainbusiness.com. I mean, we still do um, I still do a free mentoring call with any affiliate who wants it for an hour. Um, I can't do them all anymore, but we have a team of people who just do that. So these are professional mentors with successful gyms. They will get on a call with you and, and just help you. They're not going to try and sell you a thing. Awesome. Well, Chris, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for everything you do for the community. And I highly recommend if you're an affiliate owner, you check out Two Brain Business. It helped me grow my business and ultimately sell it for a you know pretty good profit. So thanks again, Chris. Thanks, Jay. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. Take a moment. Head over to the Apple Podcast app or Spotify or Google or whatever you use and leave us a review. It really means a lot to us and it's what allows us to spread the word. Also, share this with your friends, your family, your coworkers. Tell everybody at the box to listen to best hour of their day and let us know what we can do to provide you a better experience. Do you have topics you want us to talk about, people you want us to interview? We are here for you, the community. We're here to give back, and we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Best Hour of Their Day.